Hey there, it's Terry Dimbari. He's Bill Mudder. I'm Daniel Brutus with all the to host of Various Pieces of Mew. We missed the first time around. Bill didn't miss this first time around. I didn't miss this the first time around. Really, I only remember two moments on the movie, though, and, uh, it's one of Bill's favorites. It's Joe versus Volcano, which should also probably have been called Joe Eventually Gets to a Volcano. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> uh -oh. We now resume court in the case of Joe versus Volcano. We have the prosecution. His name is Daniel Rudis. And in the mm -hmm. defense of said film, we have one William Mudrin, who, mm -hmm. yeah, as 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 this podcast kind of flies apart uh, in terms of its <laughs> thesis. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like I said, like a year ago, once we hit the, like the we hit the two hundred mark on the podcast, we decided that we could go back uh, a little bit more often and talk about films we'd already seen. Uh, that we'd like to talk about again. Maybe not necessarily the most popular films ever, but films we think were kind of like underrated or whatever. Um, we've been doing more of that more recently, and that's getting mixed in with all the Disney Through the Decade stuff. And I realized recently that there were two films that came out in the March of 1990 that I really... I, it's weird to say, like, I actually think I genuinely love Joe vs. the Volcano. The other pick uh, from March uh, 1990 that I'm going to talk about during my next episode which will i guess will be the episode after the next disney through the decades thing don't quite love that movie so much but i still think it's kind of like an underrated classic but joe vs the volcano this is weird i totally this is this is probably one of my favorite movies but it's weird because like it's also one of my favorite movies that i've probably seen the least because it doesn't hold up to being watched a whole bunch and I'd say no it's kind of a weird little fairy tale and mm -hmm. it's it's so weirdly romantic and heartfelt that like and it's also not, it doesn't necessarily stand up on its own as a comedy to really justify like I don't, watching a whole bunch by itself. I don't know if romantics the word. Oh, I would this use. movie's profound. That's the whole this this movie's nothing but romantic. Mm. I mean, not romantic in the sense of like getting it on, but like. This movie's like totally wears its big beating heart on its sleeve like few other films ever have ever really done. And it's kind of a minor miracle guess, this movie isn't more of a train wreck considering how dopey it is. I guess I just didn't buy them falling in love. Oh, see, like, like when I mean romantic, I'm talking about the general broader sense of just, like, mm. wanting to go out and go on an adventure and, like, like get, you know, just... I mean, yeah, the, 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 actually, the, yeah, the funny thing is the romance... The the, the, the the romantic romance in this movie is probably one of the least interesting parts of it, even though I like Meg Ryan. Um, I need to sit down and watch... Is it Sleepless in Seattle is the third? Because they did this. It's Meg... What are the Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movies? There's this. There's You've Got Mail, which I've seen a billion times. And mm. I think it's Sleepless in Seattle. I don't think they've done yeah. another one. I need to see Sleepless in no, Seattle. Because actually... Didn't they, do a, didn't they do a sequel to uh, You Got Mail? Did they? Oh, shit. I, I would love to I'm see asking. those characters modern day 25 years later after the internet has ruined the world. Um, and as much as I, I like Joe vs. the Volcano, and as much of a guilty pleasure as You've Got Mail is for me, I, sh I should probably sit down and check out Sleepless. Because I always get Sleepless. What's the movie where uh, Meg Ryan has an orgasm in the deli with Billy Crystal? I always think that's Sleepless that's... in Seattle. That, no, that's when Harry met Sally. Oh, okay, see, I always get those two confused. So, have you seen... Oh, I shouldn't be asking you if, you, if you've if you seen when, when Harry met Sally. 
Um, getting no. off the point here, but yeah, no, uh, I just uh, I didn't realize how how lucky I had it because I saw both this and the other movie I want to talk about in March of 1990 in the theaters when they first came out. I saw mm. Joe vs. the Volcano on opening weekend. It was me and like two other people in the theater. And I don't even remember why I went to go see it, because it's not like the commercials for this were very good. Uh, the commercials kept on hinging on, like, the little bit at the end of the movie where they're about to get married, where Tom Hanks is like, Yeah, let's get married! Oh, but the timing stinks, and he kisses Meg Ryan and walks away. And that's, like, not... Even in the context of the movie itself, it's a, it's a cute little moment, but it's not, like, worth hanging an entire advertising campaign for a movie about not not that not that it's really that easy to to bring across to an audience exactly what the hell this movie is i mean it, it is simply like the guy thinks he's dying so he decides to throw himself in a volcano but trying to make that like trying to pitch that as something interesting worthwhile to go see in a movie theater is difficult and obviously they didn't work because this movie barely made any money but I, yeah, ever since I saw I, this in theaters, I, I've always had a soft, 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 this is very, soft spot for this thing. It's very applicable what I'm about to say to you specifically. Uh -oh. But I, no, I feel like this is it, the like uh, marketing and everything on this kind of is the same thing with toys, where it was yeah. kind of banking. It was kind of banking on Tom Hanks's like success from Big and all all the movies he was just that, fucking crushing it with. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because this would and have been... I, I think I think people were expecting more of a comedy from this, and yeah, it's, um, it's it like's got some goofy bits in it, but it, I don't. Th it's not trying to be a comedy, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know. This is a fucking weird ass it's movie. It's funny, yeah, because it's not yeah. like there's there's not a lot of knee slapping moments in the probably the most knee slapping moment in the whole movie is when they catch a shark, and that's like one of the most boring, dumb, like goofy goofiest parts of the movie yeah this movie is more existential and kind of weird and kind of like filled with wanderlust i but it's not like yeah, I, I also i also don't think its name helps it at all. yeah the name's a they little spend, too what, cute 10 minutes on the island yeah and yeah, i don't know but i don't know how you fix that i don't know what would be a better name for this other than just sappy romantic <laughs> fucking lamp movie um but yeah, actually, I never thought about how this kind of compares to toys, but that is very similar in which it is a very weird, hard-to-describe movie that's, yeah, uh, built completely on a random comedian to kind of carry it, and that I love deeply because it's so weird. <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, yeah, the 90s, the early 90s were a really weird time for movies. Um, yeah, for everything. No, for everything, too. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess the latter half of the 20th century and the 21st century are just kind of a weird time in general, too. But um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I wanted to just talk about this movie just because, yeah, it's it's the 30th anniversary. And especially um, now that it's 30 years on from when I first saw this movie. This is one of the first movies I ever saw that kind of gave me an existential, not crisis, but it actually kind of made me think. And this, I was 15 when this movie first came out, and especially, again, see, having seen it in the theaters, this was one of the first movies that kind of made me realize that movies could kind of have... I, not that this movie's, like, super deep or philosophical, but, yeah, just the little wanderlust baked into this movie. Like, Meg Ryan's whole little speech about being soul-sick. 
and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, that's actually... But, like, in it wrapped in the gaze and the gauze of being kind of like this big studio comedy. Because I've, I've, I'd seen other indie movies and stuff like that that were about this kind of thing, but those were, like, artsy fucking David Lynch movies where this is, like, supposed to be, like, a big Tom Hanks comedy. But... And it's weird, too, because, like, it's supposed to be, like, a fairy tale, which justifies how kind of heightened and weird it is. But it's, I could see, I could totally understand why people want to punch this movie in the face. Like, because it's so kind of cute. And it's got, mm -hmm. like, the little lamp music box all over, the slathered all over the music, or uh, the music is slathered all over the movie. And it's, yeah, it starts off with, once upon a time there was a guy named Joe. And it ends with the happily ever after stuff. And it's so like, oh, poor little white guy, he's so sad about his life. <laughs> Like, and it's also, like, I can see also if you're not a white guy and you're watching this movie, you're like, oh, cry me a fucking river, Tom Hanks. Oh, boo-hoo. You have existential mm. angst because you have, like, an actual job and you don't have, like, a family to support or anything like that. It's not like, it's not like Tom Hanks' character is in the worst situation in the world that any one of the planets I've been into, but... Anyway, should we just start talking about the movie? Unless you have anything more to say well, about the movie in general. No, I didn't, I didn't take my usual notes because I've been a little bit busy this weekend, but yeah. so I, I just, I figured we'd just talk about it in general terms. Oh, really? Okay. Probably, probably a little bit. He'll probably be watching it as we talk, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just general. Um, did, the, hey, you've seen this movie probably a billion times. That's the Dude, thing, I haven't I seen it, I've probably seen it less than a dozen times in my entire life, because like I said, it's a very much really? a sometimes mm. food. Mm. Yeah. I was just going to ask if the, I, I forgot to check if the uh, credits in the opening or the ending credits have a listing for the animal they put on Tom Hanks's head. The octopus? No, the, whatever that furry mess is. Oh, the wig wearing. that he's wearing at the start? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a terrible. Well, that's one of the things where you have to wonder how much of that is intentionally terrible versus just yeah. like they just wanted to give him long hair and they wanted to look shitty but like what's the fine line between like an intentionally shitty wig and just having a shitty wig um mm -hmm. I, I, like well even like, when he's got the long hair at the beginning i'm more distracted by the fact that like like he like everyone's dressed like they're from the 1950s even though this is who I was, you know it's supposed to take place in like 1990s because like just the way everyone yeah. talks but like the the movie's not consistently heightened all the time i mean the general tone of the movie is heightened no. but in terms of like costume and and set design the movie gets kind of random when it wants to be kind of cartoonish and which which it's it, when you find out that this movie the production designer and the costume designer were both tim burton veterans uh, mm. that, that, that helps explain why this movie looks the way it does. It totally explains the look of the lightning bolt symbol that shows up all throughout the movie, and the fact that the factory walks into at the beginning looks like a weird Tim Burton skull that they're walking through the teeth in and, and stuff, but, um, yeah, I didn't even, I, di I didn't write much in the way of notes either, cause thinking we were just gonna do a blow-by-blow. Blow blow. Oh, but... I told you I wasn't. I wasn't probably gonna take notes. Oh, okay. But that's fine. That's fine. We'll have plenty to say anyway because it's, it's fucking weird. Man, if you park in a place like he parks at the beginning of this movie, you should probably check before you just start stepping in the puddles. Yeah, especially if you're doing this every day, you think you'd have a better, like, yeah, you'd know where you're going and stuff. Yeah, like, um, he works at yeah. He works at a soul crushing job. What does he do? Sells catalogs. Uh, yeah, no. I well, his like the the, the job the the place that he works for is a medical supply company. Which don't you work part time at a medical supply company too? 
Nope. Oh, I thought you did. Not that we should be talking. Nope. I guess we should be talking about private data on the podcast or anything like that. But that's fine. But nope. No, he works for like what's it called? Oh God, it's like the it's the home of the rectal probe. And that's another mm. thing where the movie's a little bit like heightened in almost like a Simpsons episode kind of way. Yeah, where and it's then, like very. Then it shows like people dumping goo in the pipes, which. I don't know what that's. I guess it's to supposed to be like probes. Vaseline because it's a medical supply house, so I guess it makes sense. It would be some kind of like you know, like mass Could mass be. produced Could lubricant be. or something like that. But um, I always loved mm-hmm. when he goes into the, like he works in a little hovel with like three other people, and it's fucking Dan Hedaya is his boss, and that's a great casting for a he... shitty boss. Is the Dan Hedaya in the most Dan Hedaya role he's ever <laughs> Seriously? had? Seriously, and just yeah, Dan Hedaya, he's been in everything from uh, like I knew him from Cheers and. God, it's just Dan Hedaya. It's hard to describe him. He's, he's been in so many things, it's hard to pinpoint exactly which ones he's most famous for. And, yeah, you, you get the setup with Meg Ryan. She's the, um... The love interest. Oh, she shows... She's, she has, like, three roles in the movie. I never... I tried to look up uh, any interest... Uh, to see if there's any information about the making of this movie. Uh, and, like, why Meg Ryan's playing three different characters. Like Yeah, that's... That was... A, I could understand the two sisters, but why also this role? Yeah, and I... I mean, again, with the heightened fairy tale reality of this world, it, 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 it fits. But I, I don't know if he, like... John Patrick Shanley, the guy who wrote directed this movie, I don't know if, like... He's saying anything specific, or if maybe just because all the characters in Joe's life are all so fleeting that people would be disappointed if Meg Ryan only showed up in the last 20 minutes of the movie as the last girl that shows up. So they decided, well, we'll just be cute and just have her play all the three major women in the movie just to give her something more to do. I don't know if it was yeah. that versus, I don't know if he's saying something about, like, the multi-faces, like, all women are the same woman technically, or, like, or, like, 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 the different Meg Ryans represent different parts of uh, Tom Hanks's life, or something like that. There's, there, you could, you, I'm sure there's a thousand different ways you can interpret exactly what, like, what's what's going on there. And I do like the fact, yeah, I love, I love me some Meg Ryan, so I'm not gonna complain about. It. Even though her second role, the fifth Liberty Gibbet Lady in this movie, I've never cared for her character's a little bit too like. That's kind of when the movie really slows down for me is when he goes that little bit in the L.A., which I do like the fact that he's hanging out with that lady, and I do like the fact that, like, she's kind of troubled and fucked up, and he does kind of help her out a little bit, but it's not so much like he's a manic pixie. I don't know. It's not like he has some kind of innate Forrest Gump wisdom that helps her with her problem. It's just like I like there's an uh, they have a heart to heart in the middle of the film where they kind of help each other uh, out a little bit. It's, it's a little mutual. It's not him just like automatically fixing her with just like one or two dinner dates before he goes on the boat but anyway yeah Mm -hmm. i like meg ryan's character she's all sick and fucked up and and uh fucking (laughs) man i think this is the moment i fell in love with the movie where tom hanks he, he sits down to his desk and he's got that little lamp that's playing the music and it's got the whole romantic thing which kind of like i i i used to work in a telephone i used to work at a at a telephone call center at a newspaper that was a little bit like this where like i worked at midnight shift and was all like these kind of lights sucking the juice out of your eyeballs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's not to, not to say that i wound up in a situation exactly like tom hanks but i'm sure then again i guess this kind of situ- the whole point of this is this is kind of like vague enough that like this can apply to most i'm sure everyone's probably worked in a place like this where they felt well or like felt like that, like the, the, like it's 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 not so much about the specifics of the scene. It's about like the emotions of working in any kind of shitty job that you don't want to be in, and your yeah. your soul's being crushed. That's one of the two parts I remembered from this movie is the fluorescent lights. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why yeah. that resonated with me when I was growing when I was a kid because well, I saw this probably when I was like eleven. Yeah. So. 
So yeah, how many times had you seen? Had you just seen this like one or two times as a kid, and that was it? Yeah, take away the two from that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> well, I know, I know, because yeah, you you had mentioned before when we were talking about in the preparation for this podcast, you like, had, you had I, seen it before, but I didn't know how many times, if more than once. Yeah. Like I, I remember the other part where he stands up on the their makeshift raft with the moon in the foreground. Well, that's the and, that's the iconic in, thing. In my in, movie, yeah, yeah, but in, in my head, I remembered that happening after the island sunk. Like I, oh, yeah. I, I I remembered there being more after the island sunk than there actually was. No, yeah, it all just wraps up. Because that very just quickly. make that makes sense in my head. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can, well, I can almost see that. Like like it's such like it's probably would probably the most iconic moment from the movie. It would almost makes sense that, that would that would be the ending if you're thinking about it that way um mm-hmm. but yeah like yeah i mean we're probably not gonna go into this nearly as much detail as a normal episode but yeah like yeah so no. he just yeah he goes he visits unsolved mysteries because he's always sick all the time unsolved mysteries says yeah you got and he cloud. tells him he tells him we got an unsolved mystery here you got a brain cloud and we don't know what the deal with there is a nice bit of deflection where unsolved mysteries does say hey you might want to get a second opinion about this and Tom Hanks is already so like, oh, he's already so convinced that he's gonna die anyway. He totally rust, or he totally well, just, yeah, doesn't even. He's a hypochondriac. He's a hypochondriac, so like he's not even gonna think about getting a second they, opinion. Yeah, they do do a good job of making him look like shit. Yeah, well, that's the moments. thing. Well, that's the, the that's the weird thing about the shitty wig. Is it supposed to be a shitty wig or a wig that makes him look shitty? Like, what were they going through for? It's it's hard to tell. And so yeah, he goes back to the office. There is a nice moment where he uh, after he gets his diagnosis. Oh god, this is without you having your notes, this is gonna turn into me. I like the moment where <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. Um, which I guess that's the whole point of this podcast is me talking about. Yeah, you would have just been interrupting my notes anyway, saying exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> but I like when he comes out of the medical It's weird too, because he comes out of the doctor's office and they mm-hmm. chose like they uh, chose a building that is obviously not where a doctor's office would be. It's this weird bricked wall yeah. where all the windows have been bricked over. And it's just just, just like the way they frame it too, it like Joe's this this tiny little figure in the corner. And they have the fucking Ray Charles, Old Main River music playing over it. And it's not, it's sad, but it's also kind of like, it's it's this weird, it's sad and simultaneously liberating. Because mm. Tom Hanks just comes out and he's all gut shot about, like, he's got a death diagno- diagnosis. But he, he's, he steps out of the doctor's office in front of this weird brick facade. and But suddenly he sees a little old lady walking a giant fucking Marmaduke dog. And you can see that this is when he's first starting to embrace life a little bit, because he, like, runs up and starts petting the dog, and he hugs the dog, and he hugs the lady. And you can see this is kind of like when he's breaking, and he's starting to realize what life really means. And it's kind of done nicely and sweetly enough. Again, I can see why people would think this is too... A little too on the news, too little, too, too, too maudlin. But if you're diehard romantic like me, you're going to be like, Oh, boo, 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 this is so great, I love it so much. Um, mm-hmm. but, so, yeah, he goes back to the office, which is one of the, in terms of comedy, this, well, it's not even really funny, but, like, he goes back and tears everyone a new butthole, especially his boss. He's all like, yeah. I quit, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Uh, his yeah. boss is all like, oh, you're not gonna get a... He's, he's acting like Dan Hedaya. <laughs> just, wait, that's the thing. I don't, it almost seems like Dan Hedaya gets to write all of his dialogue for all of his movies, because he always plays the exact same character in every situation. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Tom Hanks, he does, like, you know, the whole of these lights are sucking the eyes out of my, uh, the, the juice out of my eyeballs. And, <laughs> and I do love Yeah. Which is <laughs> great. I love he grabs, like, there's a rubber arm, and then he's trying to lift up Dan Hedaya's phone with it, and it does, that's just a weird bit of comedy. Um, and... I wasn't super fond of the, the his line that he has where he's like, 
uh, Dan Hedaya's like, there's a lady present, and he's like, I can smell her, I can taste her in the air. That's what I was gonna, that was the next thing I was gonna <laughs> highlight, was the, like, that's, like, but that's, this is, this is just, just. It was just weird wording. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing, how quickly Tom Hanks, like, flowers into the super romantic person all of a sudden, where he's just bursting with, like, yeah, I can taste her, like, sugar on my tongue, and I do like mm-hmm. Meg Ryan, it's all like, oh my, she's just sitting in her chair, and I, 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 yeah, I, again, if you're not on, on the same wave like this movie, I could see you being like, well, this is weird, this is uh, dumb, uh, but. Yeah, let yeah. me be clear, I thought this movie was fine to watch, it, it's good, the parts that are good are good, but it's also very, very weird, Yeah. and I don't know if I'll watch it again. No, that's what I said, I can totally, yeah, again, even, even me, as much as I love this movie, I may not watch it again for another five years, just because, yeah. like I said, it's just a, such a sometimes food. Well, when I'm only in a very specific mood. And, but yeah, yeah, yeah I do love, he, uh, Tom Hanks just walks out and says, uh, the, the, I think he storms up, and then he comes back and says, "Hey, you want to go out for dinner?" To Meg Ryan, she says, "Sure," and that that, that that's that's that. But yeah, just you kind of have to be not even just a diehard romantic, but a very specific kind of dipshit diehard romantic to to like the stuff like when he's like, yeah, talking up how beautiful uh, Meg Ryan's character is, and that's kind of like that's this is the first threshold of the movie where um, as soon as he leaves work, it cuts to Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks having dinner. And now it's actually the first real burst of color. They're at this, like, Polynesian restaurant where everything's nice and red. And, you, like, they, they do a good job in the movie co- communicating the fact that Tom Hanks is, like, slowly coming alive for the first time in his life. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, this is... I, this, well, I already... This is going to be the tale of this ep- episode, me saying, this is the moment I fall in love with this movie, and I'm going to have 15 moments of that mo- uh, those moments. But um, when they're leaving the restaurant, um, they walk outside, and, God, what is it? Like, there's... Uh, they're just like I guess the movie takes place in New York, and so they uh, walk out of the restaurant, and um, there's a sailor there, just like mm-hmm. sitting in a pool of light on a streetlight in front of this fire and paradox. I'm so excited, I'm so wound up with emotion about this movie. I've turned into a flavor dejected myself even more than usual. But the sailor's like standing in front of a, like an old 1940s style fire in paradise. Uh, movie poster sign, and it's super just the way it looks like an old, like, Edward Hopper painting or something like that. It's so romantic, and the music playing over it. It's such, like, a goofy, romantic 1940s kind of schmaltz. Mwah, love it mm-hmm. so much. And just that, that, actually, when I think about Joe vs. the Volcano, the moon, him holding up the moon thing aside, the, the, this image of him walking down the street with Meg Ryan with the sailor in the street corner is the kind of the one image that kind of pops in my head more than anything else. But then, yeah, then they're also, like, on the New Island... Uh, uh, was it Staten Island Ferry? And, like, they're in front of New York, and New York's all, like, colored weirdly. Like, they have all the lights, like... Like, they're not even going for realism. They're just trying to paint mm-hmm. this, like, very colorful picture of how Tom Hanks is interpreting the world now. And even when they go back to his apartment, he's living in the shitty hovel. But, like, this, like you, you can see how the world is kind of presenting Tom Hanks's character's shitty little world through his new eyes. Because even though this shitty street that he lives in with all these slums and stuff, all the windows are all colored, like bright multicolored uh, lights in them now, which is kind of a nice. I do like this juxtaposition of like shitty slum mixed with like all the bright colors in the windows, kind of like. It's just, a, I don't know, yeah, it's. That's a nice thing about film, is that you don't have to be literal. You could just have images kind of like conflating things, and you don't know have to say exactly what they mean, but you kind of get the idea of like. 
and this having, yeah, the, the, the mundane combined with the exotic in a kind of a weird combination representing Tom Hanks' emotions. It's, it's interesting. Anyway, shut up, Bill. What happened next? And then, well, Anyway, so he invites her in. She gets freaked out because he says, oh, yeah, by the way, they start... Oh, she gets super turned on by the fact that he's all romantic now. But then he's like, oh, by well, the way, I'm going to die. He's acting alive for the he's first alive, time. Yeah. yeah, and then she gets all like, oh, my God, you're going to die, and she runs away. And I do like the fact that instead of being sad about her running away, he just kind of takes it in stride. And I always forget that, like... I, I, in my mind, I always remember, I always think that, like, he only quits his job because he gets the job offer from Lloyd Bridges first. No, he quits mm. his job even before, it's, I almost want to see the version of this movie where Lloyd Bridges never even shows up. I just want the movie called Joe. <laughs> like, I wonder what would happen to Joe if he didn't get this offer to go uh, throw himself in a volcano, because as romantic as the movie suddenly gets, it's not going to be romantic when he can't pay the rent next week and he's suddenly a homeless person. Does he just remain a hopeless romantic, like, uh, begging for change on the streets for the rest of his life? Like, what the hell happens? But, yeah. because this movie's but a fairy Lord tale... But Lloyd Bridges shows up. Lloyd Bridges shows up. He's all kooky. And, uh, I like everything I've seen Lloyd Bridges in. I need to watch more Lloyd Bridges. I shit. remember Lloyd... Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen anything from Lloyd Bridges from back in the day that wasn't like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 project. But mm -hmm. he does... He did such a good job when we were kids, like, showing up and things and being kind of just a kooky old man. And this is totally what he's in here. He's got, like, a duck cane and he's all like, Ah, oh, Joe Banks, I got an offer for you. And a titty pipe. A titty, oh yeah, he has a titty pipe, and yeah, he's a guy. He's just a super rich dude. He got rich making superconductors, and that's when he says like, "Oh yeah, uh, I get all the stuff I make more for my superconductors from this island called Wapuni Wu, which is in the South Seas, and uh, I need uh, some more of this stuff. And the Waponis will only let me dig up more of this uh, superconductive uh, alloy if I can give so, them a sacrifice." Yeah. Well. And every hundred years, they have to have somebody jump in the volcano. Yeah. Uh, and none of them want to do it, because I guess they <laughs> fell in love with orange soda. I guess so. I love, like, even... Where are... So he says he doesn't have anything to trade with them. Where are they getting the orange soda? I mean, maybe he gave them so much orange soda for, like, his last shipment of whatever it is that they have. Maybe that, like, they, they, like now they have nothing <laughs> else to barter with. Oh, I did it again. At least that wasn't, like... The big hunk you did fuck. last time. I, I <laughs> pushed the fucking button and it didn't take. Oh no, do you have coronavirus? Oh, really? Did you make no. me sick? But just even no. when Lloyd Bridges is explaining the setup, I like the fact that, like, again, the heightened reality of this movie, I love that Joe's apartment is bisected in half by the wall. If you really look and pay attention to his apartment, like, his mm. fireplace is cut in half, and there's a mm. giant crack in the wall that's in the shape of the lightning bolt. Like keeps keeps re uh, recurring throughout the film, but yeah, I do love jo Lloyd Bridges, even though he's kind of an evil. I mean, we don't find out he's evil until the end of the movie. Well, I don't even know if you can consider him evil. He's just an asshole. But I love the fact that he's so like, he's kind of the voice of romance in this movie because he shows up like it's wine, women, and song. I'll I'll set you up with all this money, and you get to go to the South Seas, and it'll be fantastic. And Joe just, and I do love when uh, Joe has to make the decision, and Joe thinks for a moment, and then he's just like. Okay, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, it's like as as goofily romantic as this movie is, I do like love the moments in which the plot turns of the film. It's they kind of take the air out of it a little bit just to kind of make it funny, which I appreciate. That's kind of cute. Well, uh, also he used to be a fireman. Oh yeah, and uh, he like saved some kids or something, and it haunts him. And 
Which, that's supposedly yeah. why Lloyd Bridges has come to Joe, because he's recognized, like, he has already has a penchant for sticking his neck out to help people, and so maybe he'll be able to help him, and... Yeah, so, and and also, he's like, oh yeah, you were alive, and there was danger, and don't you want to feel that little, that kind of life again, and, and so he gives him a shitload of credit cards, and then so Joe goes on a spending spree, um, he goes out with Ossie Davis. A, a limousine. Yeah. And I think this is the shot where it, like, shows the city, and it's just, oh, it's so polluted. Well, it's funny, because at the beginning, Woo! when he's going to the factory, it's there's a matte painting of kind of like, it's, it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of New York buildings, but it's heightened with, like, fake pollution and stuff like that. And now they just actually just did just take a f uh, camera to downtown Manhattan, and it just looks shitty by itself. It didn't need any special effects to look nasty. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of a gray overcast day anyway, but it is polluted enough. You still, yeah, you can't see more than three blocks down the street. And so, yeah, he meets uh, Avi Davis, uh, Ossie Davis, who is the um, limo driver, who kind of falls a little bit, unfortunately, into the magic Negro stereotype of, like, he's wiser beyond his years, and he gives the white guy all this evidence and stuff like that, but mm. it's Ossie Davis, I, liked, I love I, him, he's yeah, great. I like, yeah, I, like, I thought that character was really entertaining. Well, and I do love, he's, he kind of, he doesn't snap at Joe, but... Uh, originally the character starts off, he's just supposed to be a, a limo driver, but then Joe's like, I need to go get some clothes. And I do love that Ossie Davis is all like, what are you, what are you asking me about? You're asking me about clothes, and clothes means the man, I take that very seriously. And he's like, if we're mm. gonna do this, we're gonna do this for real. And he actually, yeah, they go on a big spending spree, and uh, Tom Hanks uh, offers to buy him a suit. He's like, hey, it's the least I can do. You're helping me to find myself and go on this spending spree. And it's very cute. It's a very 80s movie montage of... Yeah. Very pretty woman. What are you doing, Siri? Mm -hmm. I didn't even st fucking ah! I swear to God, the only times of the week where Siri goes off is when I'm on this goddamn podcast. Uh, anyway, so uh, spending anyway, spree. He buys a he buys a shit ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do love the fact yeah. that he goes to and they set up all the stuff of like he ends up buying the luggage that saves his mm -hmm. life when he buys you see him buying like the wet bar inside the volume violin in case that saves his life later um mm -hmm. man <laughs> bill's favorite moment number 327 is mm -hmm. when he's buying the luggage from the guy and he's like i'll take four of these and the luggage guy's like may you live to be a thousand years old i lo mm -hmm. love that guy it's fucking it's a, just a great bit of just heightened weirdness of, and and so yeah he gets this he finally gets his haircuts so he doesn't have to wear that shitty wig anymore and, uh, yeah, and, uh, I think that just kind of says good goodbye to Ossie Davis. Uh, there's a nice little scene where he's like, hey, there's some doors that you have to go through alone in life. And Ossie Davis is all like, oh, okay, I, th I think you'll be okay. I seem to have put you in a good place here. And then he just has dinner by himself. Um, I forgot, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's this weird little bit where, like, he's having dinner by himself in this little alcove. It's such a weird little s bit, but I do like this. As someone who I love to be alone by myself, I tend to be a little bit of a loner in life. I do love this mm -hmm, whole bit same. where this is also such a great fantasy of like getting all this money, buying all this stuff, being all by yourself, about to go on a big adventure into the South Seas. Like I, like if someone offered this to me, I would seriously contemplate. I don't. If there was a way I could like. Not have to feel the Boy, burning to death of being it. thrown into a volcano at the end. Buy a shit ton of stuff and then fuck off. Well, no, but then 
I still want to go to the South Seas and go to the island. Mm. I mean, if I could figure out a way that I don't have to kill myself, or if I have to kill myself, hopefully I could just shoot myself at the lip of the volcano and then fall in, so I don't have to like pull a golem and be writhing in the in the uh, in the in the lava for even just a minute or two, because that would be uncomfortable. Uh, but, so, uh, yeah, he goes to L.A., there's fucking red-headed Meg Ryan, who's very... When I was a kid... I think she plays this character slightly too broad. Yeah, she's got, like, she's got this husky voice. Even for this movie, it's a little bit too much. And mm -hmm. there's no real reason why... I mean, if they wanted to really streamline this movie, they would just have a boat meet Joe at the dock in New York, and then they go on their adventure. It's it, There's no reason why he has to fly to L.A. and spend another 20 minutes with another character who really... Again, it's 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 it speaks to like I, I'm assuming this is more of like a kind of a Joseph Campbell going through the processes of death or self acceptance or something like that, or this is just another mm -hmm. phase of his journey to realizing himself. And 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 you could argue that him helping out Meg Ryan's character in this scene is a little bit like like Ossie Davis helped him in the previous scene. Now he gets to help out. Meg Ryan's character a little bit in this, and the third part of the movie is him with a version of Meg Ryan who's on more evil footing with him and his true equal, and that's the one he ends up spending the rest of his life with. But yeah, there's just like they go out to dinner and, she, and then they go out to the, the to to make out points. And that's when they have their heart to heart about how she's upset about because uh, she's the daughter of Lloyd Bridges, okay. and uh, I can't remember if she thinks he's gonna try to make out with her or what, but. She does open her... Yeah, she reads. She does give some, some of her poetry. <laughs> it's terrible. Her painting mm -hmm. in the restaurant that that turns out to be owned by her dad was terrible. And you mm -hmm. get to realize that as kind of astringent and harsh as her character is, she does still mean well at, at in the end. And she's not a fundamentally horrible person. Maybe she just needs to get the fuck out of L.A. and get away from her dad's money. Which turns out to be a large no. part of the same problem with uh, Meg Ryan's third character too, because she's mm. holding to that 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 dad character. But, um, yeah. Long ago, the delicate tangles of his hair <laughs> covered the emptiness of my hand. And she has to read it a second time. I totally. Mm -hmm. If I can see if you're not under the wavelength of this movie, and you're watching this, and you're like, "Oh my god, what the hell is this now?" Oh Christ <laughs> Almighty! Just do something, movie. But like, yeah. yeah. But like I said, it's not so much him helping her as much as they kind of like help each other out just by talking and kind of like air and stuff. And like he's a little bit scared about going to the South Seas and stuff, and she leaves. And yeah, I can't remember if there's anything more profound other than just them being vulnerable with each well, other. Well, she a bit. she asks if like he wants she he wants her to come up and like to his room, and he's like, Nah, I'm good. Yeah. Later, which so he does not sleep with her. Yeah, which it seems to be a big thing because even uh, Meg Ryan's third character—that's like one of the first things she asks him—is like, "Did you sleep with her?" And he's like, "No." And like that, and she seems to be kind of surprised. So, I guess by virtue of the fact mm. that he didn't offer to sleep with that character, kind of like made her feel a little more confident in herself or something. But anyway, she shows up to drop him off at the at the pier the next morning, and when he gets on the boat, she does kind of like have well, a little more confidence in her walk. She's a little more put together, mm. it seems. Like, so who knows what's going to happen to her, but she seems to be in a better place now, so at least a little bit. Yeah. Also, the, the other sister, her last character, keeps calling him Felix because like he worked for her dad, and she doesn't like her it's... dad because he's never around. Yeah, that's the thing with this movie. I appreciate its tone and what it's going for, but the character work itself can be a little clumsy. 
And the movie really doesn't get a strong beat on, like, what's going on with the third. It's not till she has her heart-to-heart -heart with Tom Hanks a little bit later that night, where she explains exactly what's going on, where she essentially apologizes for her behavior on the pier, that her character becomes more into focus. Because here at the beginning, I mean, I know they're trying to set up the fact that she's, like, she's now a sun-kissed blonde with bare feet, and she's, like, this kind of, like goddess archetype almost and but I mean she's almost like like aggressively like fuck you yeah I'm gonna call you Felix because it's my boat and it's my money I get to do whatever I want to do and it's a little bit like overcompensating and I know that's part of the character but I think even then on top of that it's also a little bit too like it's a little too much just like Meg Ryan's character the second character is a little bit too much this whole metal segment of the movie is a little bit too much but once you get on the boat things get a little bit better um there's some pretty scenes of the you know the boat on the there's the sunset stuff like but yeah but then they have dinner and I think they're kind of confrontational there and it's not until after the dinner that she comes down to below deck says he's going to bed and it's cool to see I love seeing what the interiors I know that's probably just the set not what the actual boat looked like but I love seeing how on boats like there's like safety railings so you don't fall out of your boat and stuff like that it looks so mm -hmm. snug and there's like a little dresser mm -hmm. he can put his book that he's reading at night into <laughs> and it just feels so nice it's like, ooh, I like when earlier in the movie when Lloyd Bridges says you'll ride on my yacht I that this our society has ruined me to think look at this thing and think that's his yacht yeah because it's, it's really just a tiny sailboat it's not like mm -hmm. in fact I kind of doubt like the, the the big bedroom that he's in later like would fit <laughs> beneath that boat because it's not yeah and that's more like a like that's not the kind of boat you would s i mean i know this whole romantic movie you're not supposed to take any of it seriously but even then like if you're gonna sail to the south seas you think it'd take a bit because this feels more like a boat you would go sailing around like la harbor in not like go on a mm -hmm. multi-day voyage across the ocean like into potential typhoon weather and shit like you would get like not even i, I i'd like of course these days you would not get a sailboat you would get an actual fucking like engine powered yacht but even then you like go get like oh no there's kid he's banging on the door he'll, he'll is fine. kelsey around so you don't have to worry about yeah oh, okay i just know wanted... he's home <laughs> he's running around the house by himself <laughs> He's like, he's just running around with no pants, just banging on the doors. Wait, where's, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Uh, but so, yeah, they have a, this is the heart sick conversation where Meg Ryan admits to her. Uh, really kind of weird because like Meg Ryan's character is a little schizophrenic in these opening scenes because she's so standoffish mm -hmm. on the pier. But then after dinner, like they have this conversation below decks where she like really spills all of her guts out where she's talking about how I'm upset with my dad because I took that money. Uh, well, it turns out that she's only escorting Tom Hanks to the island because her dad uh, has offered to give her this boat as payment for this. Mm. And she's upset because... The, wait, it, the Tweedledee or the Tweedledum? Uh, I think this is the Tweedledee, but she does say there's a Tweedledum later, which you would assume that maybe, like, maybe she gets that from her dad later since this boat gets destroyed. Um, although you would hope that she would not need anything more from her dad after this movie, but, um, but yeah, she's upset with herself because she had broken loose, unlike her red-haired sister in the scene before that she had broken loose from her dad's fortune and had become her own independent woman, but she got drawn back in by the promise of being given this boat, and she's upset with mm -hmm. herself, and so that's why she's upset with Tom Hanks, too, and stuff, and that's when she says she's kind of... Uh, in, in the large scheme of things, she seems to be a rich white lady who, who's, like, in line, who has a rich dad who's, who's, whose dad has promised to give her a boat. Like, she doesn't have a lot to be heartsick about, but 
it's not the point. Yeah. You're not supposed to be worried about class issues, even though I always am about all kinds of shit, but like that. No, especially during, <laughs> right after the 80s ended. Yeah, it's like, yeah, boo-hoo, oh no, you're so sad because your dad gave you a boat. It's, it's oh no, I feel so sad for you, Meg Ryan, little blonde white lady. Um, and so they go fishing, there's a, this is probably the most useless scene in the whole movie. <laughs> it's just, it's just set, set to the most stereotypical, like, Oh god, I forget what the music is, but it's like good loving, and they catch a bunch of fish, and some of the fish are silly, oh, and then they man. catch a Jim Henson and puppet. Yeah, and that part where he's reeling in the Jim Henson puppet goes, and he takes forever. <laughs> it's, it's like they're on. really dragging it this out. It's huh? a little bit, yeah. Like, it's, it's... They take so long, they're like, oh no, this is going to be so good when this, this foam shark pops out and everybody screams and runs. <laughs> Like Tom Hanks is trying to fish, and like Amanda, Amanda Plummer is there, and I love her. She has nothing to do in this movie, and she's like giving Tom Hanks the thumb up. And this is one of those things where, like, even even for what this movie is doing, it gets a little clumsy. And I could again, I could see why people want to punch this face or get very uh, short tempered with it pretty quickly. Because yeah, like in the, in, the, in the shark puppet scene is just so goofy. And it's like okay, it's a little mm-hmm. bit step too far, and it's also just executed so goofily, but. Yeah, there's... yeah. And now, this message. Once upon a time, in the middle of a deep, dark factory, an average Joe... Joe Banks. ...lived a very boring life. Good morning, Dee Dee. Hi, Joe. What's with the shoe? Losing my soul. Yeah. Until one day, he found out his life was over. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. That's right. You have some time left, Mr. Banks. Live it well. And that's... Joe Banks? When his adventure began. You and I might be able to help each other. I want to hire you to jump into a volcano. red carpet situation. It's wine, women, and song in the sweetest little paradise you ever saw. A real journey. Are you Joe Banks? Yeah. Warner Brothers presents... Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Joe, Joe, Joe Banks, in the story of a man, a mountain, and a miracle. Take me to the volcano! He's diving! He's jumping! He's leaving! Written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, the Academy Award-winning writer of Moonstruck. I love you. I love you, too. I've never been in love with anybody before, either. It's great. I am glad. But the timing stinks. I gotta go. Joe versus the Volcano. We interrupt these commercials to bring you our program. There's a point where she, like, talks about the island they're going to and says it's like, uh, how, how is that? Do you know how that... Can you... <laughs> so, okay, so... It, it's, fast, like, it's that oh, night. It was, 
They've got all these mm -hmm. great Chinese paper lanterns hanging up for no other reason than that's cute, and it's just drive home. This is a different night than the night before. Um, yeah, she's talking about how she'd done she she had done her research on the Waponi Wu, which is the Polynesian culture uh, living on the island that she's taking them to. Waponi Wu, Wu means tiny island with a big volcano on it. Uh, mm -hmm. The Waponi Wu uh, was uh, the, the the island was. I guess like 2,000 years ago, like a, a Roman galleon filled with uh, Roman, Celtic, and Jewish people crash-landed mm -hmm. on this island, melded with the native Polynesian culture that had already lived there, and created this very distinctive mm. Waponi Wu culture, where everyone is obsessed with orange soda, um, which... <laughs> I always felt like, like, did they like have orange soda back in the day? Like, at what point were, did they only get addicted to orange soda when it was introduced to them if recently, or like did they invent orange soda? What the hell's going on? I don't know because they like got outfits and shit. This is all later. justification to have Abe Vigoda show up later and also fucking Hava Nagila. It's just the most random justification for like, mm -hmm. just how goofy the islanders are. Uh, but yeah, they have that conversation where she's yeah, like they talk a little more about the history of the island and stuff like that, and I think. They're, they're a little more romantic. I think there's a part where they almost kiss, but then they're distracted by the news that, like, oh my god, Typhoon's coming in. And things get green for a while. And Yeah, what's with the green fart fall? Yeah, because everything... Well, I guess they're doing trying to do the eerie stillness before the storm kind of thing, and it's all very... Like, the movie feels... But with green fart gas? Yeah, green fart... Yeah, I... Yeah. I just... I... Yeah. I guess it's I, just... after they catch a shark, they're just like, sure, fuck it, why it's not? It's very art... It feels like something from Cabin Boy. And... Mm. Actually, we could have done this in Cabin Boy. That would have been a good double feature of, like, Tim Burton inflected 90s bat weird comedy movies that everyone hates. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, so there's fart glass... Fart... Uh, fart... Uh, fart gas and she's like oh he's all like i don't know what a typhoon and she's like i think you're gonna find out joe and then there's just mm -hmm. cuts to a bunch of uh to be uh to give them credit they didn't just didn't just cut to a bunch of stock footage they're actually on some kind of tank with a whole bunch of water and stuff like that and but the the, the boat gets all fucked up um they i think everyone else gets washed overboard i think meg ryan almost gets washed over too but uh, tom hanks catches her and then they have a big kiss and the music swells and just as it's about to like it feels like like the climactic moment of the movie uh the boom arm of one of the sails swings out and smacks meg ryan knocks her right off the boat mm -hmm. and then tom hanks dives in to go save her uh which hey ex-firefighter hey. that's although you think you would like want to grab a line from the boat so you have yeah. a way to get back onto the boat which yeah you'd think it doesn't matter because the boat's gonna sink because it gets hit by a big lightning bolt shaped lightning bolts that cracks it in half and yeah. sinks and everyone on that boat is dead so long amanda plummer <laughs> Every, amanda plummer we'll see you in pulp fiction in four years from now um mm -hmm. you were you were uh, great in cattle annie and little britches <laughs> i like amanda yeah. plummer she's the daughter of christopher plummer from knives out in star trek 6 and what's her face who did the voice of the of the mice in my favorite rankin bass special twas the night before christmas what, Abba mm. Tammy Grimes? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the boat sinks. Um, uh, Tom yeah, he, Cruise. The, his, his, Tom Cruise? When did he show oh, up in I, this movie? I missed that you part. You didn't get the special edition? I watched the mm, Tom Cruise. I shows up with Top Gun. 
Uh, he comes in. He comes in riding two dolphins and <laughs> helps them lash all of his. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah. steamer trunks together. Hey, what happened to steamer trunks? I that got me up. You know what? Watching this last night, I had to pause for a half an hour just to look up the history of steamer trunks, and mm. like, yeah, it's funny. Like, I didn't realize there's this whole elaborate entomology of like what qual- what technically qualifies because I guess steamer trunks are a very specific kind of trunk. That, like, mm. like, because, like, of course, like, big luggage and stuff, of course that's been a big thing for a thousand years, but they're talking about, like... I think... Steamer I trucks think are specific to ocean-going voyages from, like, 1870 to, like, 1920. And also, uh, 20-something-year-old girls living in Portland's bedrooms. Yeah, that kind of thing. And so, like, there's, there's people who are, like, hardcore into collecting, like steamer trunks are very specific like what qualifies as specifically as a steamer and like mm-hmm. is a trunk now that that's made now can you, can you consider that a, a steamer because it's not meant to go on a steaming ship so it can't be a steamer even though if it's exactly mm-hmm. like a steam you're like yeah so um but yeah it's funny because i thought it was a little bit of a uh exaggeration earlier in the film when the when the, the, the luggage guy is showing up to tom hanks like there's like a mirror and drawers and stuff inside the the steamers. Look at them! No, that's mm-hmm. actually what they they were actually like portable bits of furniture. They weren't just giant suitcases, but they had their own drawers. Like there'd be like a like yeah. watertight hat box. There'd be a mirror. There'd be a shaving like station and all that. That really was designed to be like a portable dresser essentially. Uh, could you imagine being the poor asshole who had to carry that around the boat? Yeah, that's you could totally. Uh, watching old movies and stuff, I could totally see why everyone just has porters and stuff. No one's carrying their own luggage, or even wheeling their own luggage around. It's always like they're getting the fucking bellboys and shit to move that stuff. Around. Well, even even Tom Hanks in this movie, um, like like fucking what's her face, red haired lady. She's having other people move his luggage around. She's not like they're not doing it themselves because I'm sure each one of those trunks probably weighs four hundred pounds. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, like, they're made of, like, like as most steamer trunks are, like, solid pine and metal and brass and glass and all this shit. Yeah, it's, it, it, like, this is, I, I saw a piece online where somebody was very specifically, like, just because you grew up with suitcases, don't just Oof. think these are just giant suitcases. They're, like, an, they're actual, like, leather-bound furniture. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, uh, so he, uh, Tom Hanks, somehow Louis magically Vitt- figures out how to lash these four uh, steamer trunks together and yeah. throws... Uh, There's a Louis Vuitton steamer trunk set for $25,000 in auction. Is that new? I don't think so. Because I was looking that up. I was almost tempted to go on eBay to no, see. No, that's from five years ago. I was ago. like, this got me thinking, like, how much will, like, our old steamer trunks from, like, 1910, like, is are they, like, super expensive? Are they super? Because you think it's, like, this kind of stuff. Well, I guess it also depends on, like, the make and how valuable they were back in the day. But I would imagine steamer trunks now, that's one of those things that were, it's either going to be super expensive or dirt cheap. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, but... And also, again, well, me, he... me being a romantic for this old timey stuff, like, I would be totally like, oh man, I would love to have a, stu- I would love to have a stupid return. That'd be great. And I could fill it with old Nintendo games and stuff like that. I could actually use it mm, in this There story. you go, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is my uh, Game Boy cart <laughs> drawer. This is my... <laughs> instead of a hat box, it's where I put all my Virtual Boy games. Um, mm-hmm. but, yes. He did... To, to lash the shit together, she had a rope wrapped around her when she was going Just to... Just conveniently. Whatever she was gonna do. Yeah. Um, although even the, if you think about the logistics of having to lash together those four things and get her on top of it, it's still pretty rough, but, uh, so yeah, he yeah. essentially spends, like, I forgot how long this montage goes on for, uh, it's, like, suggests at least four or five days they're on top of uh, this, this makeshift raft, and, uh, originally I was like, well, does he really have to worry about feeding her that water? Because I, I originally remember they were only on this raft for, like, two, two or three days, but, like, it is, like, it goes on for a while. Um, he's, yeah. he's, he's got his ukulele, he's singing a cowboy song. 
Um, he's taking bottles of Perrier from the from the uh, the portable wet bar and just taking capsules of the of that and feeding that to her. And she's not that mm-hmm. he's he's taking the umbrella that he bought and using that as shade, but he's not drinking any water himself. He's not taking part of the shade, so he's kind of slowly losing his mind throughout the, this this week. Um, and yeah, he plays miniature golf, and he eventually kind of loses his mind. It gets to the point where he is about to die. He's all sunstroked. He's all sun cooked. Uh, mm-hmm. fucking, you've got mail. She still hasn't woken up yet. And it's nighttime, the moon rises, and this, yeah, this is really the kind of the emotional climax of the movie where uh, the moon rises, it's a big cartoon moon, and it comes up, uh, you know it's a heartfelt scene because the music gets all clarinetty and like, wah, 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 um, which I don't know how that turned into musical shorthand for like music of the soul in the movies, or at mm-hmm. least in modern movies. But like uh, Tom Hanks, he does I, this I, again. This is this I this this totally breaks my heart every time he's like, "Thank you, God, whose name I do not know." Uh, I forgot how big. He doesn't even say how big what. He just says, "I forgot how big," and he's just like, "Thanks," mm-hmm. and he's like, "Thank you, thank you, thank I you for my how, life." How big was so beneficial to my career and got me so many movies. After how this. big the profit margins were on big. <laughs> Thank you for mm-hmm. big. I want to go back and edit it. Just thank you. Thank you. Who thought? Who would have thought that so many people would be entertained by me dancing on a goddamn light-up keyboard? Um, mm-hmm. Big was probably just only a year or two before this, too, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember when this came out, I'd known Tom Hanks because I had been watching Tom Hanks since Bosom Buddies since, like, the late, early 80s. So this had already been a decade of... But yeah, I guess Big was his real true breakthrough hit. Man, have you seen Big in a, in a while? It's been a it's been a great. I don't think I've seen Big since it was on HBO back in the day. It's probably been twenty years at least since I've seen. It. Anyway, but it's, I don't. I never loved Big as much as everyone else did. I I appreciate it enough. I did like the part where he doesn't yell. You're more a Dragnet fan. <laughs> exactly. I love when they rap. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dragnet. I saw Dragnet in a hotel he, while on vacation with my family, and we were all like, when he what slams is that. This? When he slams that man's balls in that <laughs> desk drawer. That is such a terrible fucking movie. What's Dan Aykroyd? God damn. Between that and mm-hmm. nothing but trouble. Holy shit, what the hell's wrong with Dan Aykroyd around there right around then? Oh yeah, those are the two things that <laughs> make you question his sanity. <laughs> as bad as Jones versus the Volcano toys are, at least they're better than Dragnet and and, and, and nothing but trouble. Holy yeah. shit. So, uh, But yeah, Tom Hanks, he passes out. He's woken up by, uh, I guess her name's Patricia. The next morning, mm-hmm. it turns out, yeah, they've been spotted. They are actually now on the coast of Waponi Woo, and they get brought in. And it is, I do like the guy, the lookout. He's got a telescope, and he's like, "Oh, we found people!" And he's, and he stops and he drinks a big can of jump soda. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, and and he's got that shit all over his like crushed cans all over <laughs> That's, him. Yeah, he's wearing it's, them. It's so stupid. I, I <laughs> part of me would be like, oh my god, this is probably not racially cr- uh, correct or uh, politically correct slash racially sensitive these days, but this is such a batshit weird made up culture that like, I can't yeah. imagine too many Polynesian people getting upset by this too much because it's so just. We're, and like I said, they they spent they they went out of the way to build up the whole fact that this is not strictly a Polynesian culture. It's like this weirdly yeah, a Latin, Greek, Celtic, Jewish culture. That's why they're singing Hava Nagila when they find Joe and Patricia. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't recognize him until this viewing, but it's Nathan Lane, is kind yeah. of the main guy. Not not Abe Dugoda, but the guy who comes out and he's got like the weird fingers. Like, are you Joe? Joe Banks? 
Uh, which that's kind of cool because it's just a year or two before he he started becoming more famous with like the Birdcage and uh, the Lion King and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, they bring in uh, Joe and oh my god, I forgot. I want to call her Amy Adams. Oh well, her name's Patricia. Hey, Patricia, this? what's the actress's name? I already forgot. Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan. I want to call her Amy Adams for some reason. I'm losing my mind. Mm. I gotta drink. I gotta take a, a hit of my orange crush that I bought just for this episode. Abe Gavoda, you got he got a teddy bear. Oh yeah. It's actually his soul. Which, again, well, and I guess that kind of ties in a little bit at the beginning where Joe, he has his shoe, and his soul is falling mm-hmm. off his shoe, and Meg Ryan, her sick character at the beginning, is like, what's wrong with your soul? And he's like, I, like and they're kind of doing this, a little bit of the same thing of just like... And, like, the fact that, like, his teddy bear is, like, his soul, it doesn't. it's not a plot element. It's just a reason just to bring up, like, some kind of weird existential, just with a little bit of uh, weirdness in the movie. And yeah. so, um, I just... <laughs> I... I am the Toby Chief. I just love how just done with everything that Ape Pagoda's chief character is. Like he's chief, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem to believe anything <laughs> like, about the Islanders. My, he's just so weird. I can't. I can't throw myself in the volcano, and none of my these people. <laughs> fuck. I know. He seems so just already just disappointed in his own people, and just like so put out, and just like oh god, I'm tired of this shit. I'm surprised he just doesn't mm-hmm. ask Joe to take over for the whole island for him. Uh, so and I, yeah. you know, okay, so they. I like the scene where they're fixing them up and Meg Ryan's just getting all primmed and, and like, done up really nice. But for Joe, they're slapping him with fish yeah. and bite, biting his feet. They're, like, eating his toenails and, like, throwing octopuses <laughs> at his face. And it's just, like, I guess... And I don't think any of that's legit because they're all laughing their asses off as it's well, happening. that's the thing. It's, like, I mean, and it's, it's hard to tell how much of that is actually just the actors on set laughing because it's such a ridiculous set versus, like, that's how they were instructed because... Like, obviously, the lady's taking care of Meg Ryan. Like, that seems to be legit. Like, they're giving her pedicures and, like, spritzing her with perfume and, like, yeah, doing all kinds of, like, yeah, they're treating her out well. But, yeah, like, the guy's, like, beating the shit. I mean, you got, I think those are mostly just white guys in brown face. Just, like, mashing oh, yeah. uh, bananas into Tom Hanks' face. Yeah, beating him with fish and stuff. And it's, I do like the, I guess it's just supposed to be a gender thing where the girl is supposed to look beautiful and the guy just needs to be toughened up. I didn't realize there's a bit where they blow like ash onto Tom Hanks' face mm-hmm. while he's taking a shower. I didn't realize yeah. that the people who come in and start messing with him after that are trying to lick the ash off his face. Yeah, they <laughs> like, sure are. Imagine your Hollywood story is like my most famous Hollywood role. I was play, I played Wapoti Woo Villager number two, licking ash mm. off of Tom Hanks' face in Jokers of the Volcano. Well, how many people can say they licked ash off of Tom Hanks' Exactly. I'm sure it's probably just, like, Kool-Aid powder or something like that. But, yeah, fast forward mm-hmm. that night, there's a big ceremony where uh, Joe's been, he's all cleaned up, he's on the tux now, which I'm glad to see his tux I that he bought with Ossie Davis paid off. I am shocked at how slow the movie moved until they get to the island and then they just waste zero time with anything. You think that's... Like, yeah, we named this Joe versus the Volcano, but let's spend as little time at the actual volcano as possible. That's the thing. I think, like I said, if you t- take out the middle segment at least with, like, the second Meg Ryan character or something like that, you could, like, the movie feel a little more balanced. Also, there's just simply not a lot to... There's so... Like, the whole joke of the Polynesians just being, they're Jewish. And they love orange soda. There's not a lot. Of, I wonder if they had more material here, but then they realized it wasn't that funny, so they cut it. Because it is very abrupt. Mm. Where it's suddenly okay. Now it's the nighttime. Ava go to asks everyone if, if if anyone still won't be willing to throw themselves in the volcano, so they don't have to have Joe do it. 
and everyone kind of mm -hmm. cowers. I do love, actually, yeah. just from a costume design, there's a weird... It must be a spirit that represents the volcano, because there's this evil spirit guy who chases Nathan Lane's character around in this little ceremonial party play that they put on. And that character does, does look legitimately scary. He's got, like, this papier-mâché square mask on with these big eyes, and I thought that looked pretty cool. Uh, but, mm -hmm. yeah, so there's just a long scene of just... Meg Ryan, she's like, are you really gonna do this? And Tom Hanks is like, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I do this? And Just a lot of talk, and finally well, they're just... She loves him now, though. Yeah. And yeah, finally they're like, okay, we gotta get this over with. Let's let's do it. And that's... And the movie tries to get a little screwball comedy here, where Meg Ryan's like, you're not gonna... Yeah, we're not gonna, you're not really gonna throw yourself in the volcano, right? And Tom Hanks is like, yeah, of course, you do this. And she says, well, I love you. And he's like, I love you too, but this is at the wrong time. And then he kisses her and walks away. And they, again, that's the moment that, that they hinged the, the whole advertising campaign for this movie on. And it's such, like... It's 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 a cute little moment, but it's not that amazing, and yeah. like it's 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 just weird that they thought that was going to be the thing that was going to get everyone into the theaters. If they had made this movie after like Sleepless in Seattle, maybe that would have been a bigger draw. Like, hey, it's Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks again being goobers towards each other, but just like for this first time together, the, like that that being the moment they selected for the trailers and everything doesn't mean that much it's just two people yelling at each other and you can get you know, you do get the screwball old 40s comedy like his girl friday vibe from that a little bit but it's not nearly as done as well it's i don't know it's, it's 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 a little clumsy but they go up to throw themselves well originally she's just going up to a company joe Mm -hmm. uh, or to try to t talk about it. Yeah, she's she's still trying to talk him out. When he realizes, uh, well, she realizes that she's not gonna be able to talk him out. She says, "Okay, well, let's get married." And so they yeah. bring up Ava Goda <laughs> to like he's just like, "Do you love her? Do you love him? Uh, fine, you're married." And then he's like, "I'm getting yeah. the hell out of here." He just <laughs> runs away. And mm -hmm. again, with the movie taking the air out of some of the bigger uh, dramatic pivots in the movie, I, I do like that. It's 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 not trying to be too. Uh, pretentious and, and crazy yeah. about that stuff, but yeah, so that's yeah. And then yeah. they jump in the volcano, and a blast of hot steam blows them out. It, it doesn't burn it them at all. Is I was watching the credits for this movie, and I totally forgot this is technically this is an Amblin Entertainment movie. It means this. Oh well, I should say some paper cutouts of them get blasted. <laughs> out the this volcano. is the thing. I forgot that this movie was produced by Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, and. Watching the credits, I was like, "Industrial Light and Magic did the special effects for this movie, because you are now witness <laughs> on, a, on a weekend. <laughs> you are now witness to maybe the worst special the effect Industrial Light and Magic ever did. Specifically, the one shot of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan jumping into the volcano, where they're obviously just little cardboard cutouts, and then like." In the same shot, they come flying back up, but now they've also switched positions. But you can tell they just took like essentially like a photograph of the top down of Tom Hanks and, and Meg Ryan, and like just zoomed it out to make it look like they're falling down, and then zoomed it back in yeah. to make it look like they're flying back up. And it's just so t it's the one big blue screen moment in the movie, and it is fucking terrible. <laughs> like terrible in a way. I don't think this movie meant to be terrible, but like no. I do like when they're actually flying out. It turns into like a Baron Munchausen practical effect where they're they're suddenly turning into like the smoky comet flying through the air and they just land right back mm -hmm. into the water tank in the warner brothers studio representing the ocean and, yeah and then the island sinks because we all know when volcanoes erupt the island sink <laughs> i guess i mean that's and all the ponies die 
yeah. forgot what a body count because everyone we see in this movie after they leave LA dies aside from Amy uh Amy Adams. <laughs> aside from aside from Joe and Patricia, Meg they're Ryan. all dead. Mm. The entire boatload of people in this entire Polynesian culture is completely wiped out. Uh, mm -hmm. you have to wonder if Joe had jumped in, like, literally just 30 seconds sooner, because I'm assuming the whole reason they wanted Joe to jump in was because the, the evil island spirits were threatening to destroy the island if they don't get their flesh, and yeah. if, if, if Meg Ryan hadn't gotten involved and, like, you know, wanted to get married, then maybe Joe could have jumped in and still saved the culture. Maybe the Waponi were actually right. Because, yeah, how yeah. often does this actually happen? Jesus Christ. And it just sinks into the ocean. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's like, like, it's a, yeah, like, almost like a cardboard cutout. And, yeah. but yeah, everything is destroyed except for their luggage, which they lash back together, and they're pretty much back in the situation where they were before, where, although at least they're both da da dapperly dressed and they're all very mm -hmm. cute. And... Oh, and this is the thing where, like, he suddenly comes down because he's like, oh shit, we're both alive, but I still have this brain cloud. And she's like, what? Brain cloud? What the fuck is a brain cloud? And she's like, you do, you do, that's bullshit. And he's like, oh yeah, well, Dr. Ellison said this. And she's like, Dr. Ellison, that's my dad's doctor. My dad owns him. He doesn't have any other clients. My dad must have set you up just mm -hmm. to convince you to throw yourself into this volcano. You don't have a brain cloud. You're fine. And he's like, oh shit. And that's yeah. a clever way of just... Yeah, uh, wrapping everything up so they can live happily ever after, which they do because uh, the camera pans out. They're drifting on the, the, the little makeshift raft made of uh, steamer trunks, and she's like, "Where do we go? Where do, where, where do we go next?" And he's like, "Away from the things of man, away from the things of man." And the movie Iris is out, and this is then they lived happily ever after because it's a fairy tale, and uh -huh. that's it. And it just and the yeah, it just cuts to. Super romantic, sweeping music with like little hand-drawn illustrations of the ocean, starlit at night, and I think this may have been mm -hmm. one of the first. I I like the music so much from this movie. I think this is one of the first times as a kid, I ever actually stayed and actually sat through the credits just to enjoy the music. But yeah, that's that's Joe versus Volcano. I don't know if we've, I don't know which which side the jury is gonna decide for. Um, I don't know if like Joe is pressing for, uh. Alimony payments from the volcano. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess technically, well, I guess the volcano did lose. It blew itself up, <laughs> so I guess Joe wins wins this court case. Um, so yeah, that's Joe versus the volcano. It's it's. Uh, yeah, again, so that, one of my favorite so, um, films. Which yeah, just don't watch that often because it's such 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 a very specific kind of weirdness that I can only watch it when I'm in a very specific mood. Um, but it's, mm -hmm. I'm glad that you were up for at least talking about it on the, on the podcast though, because it's a weird little slice of, I don't know, it's charming. So, I, uh, this is IMDb, so take it with a grain Oh, of salt. no, I didn't they even think to look up IMDb trivia for this shit. Did, this isn't the trivia, this is the, the movie was reshot to change the ending? What? I never heard about that. Which was, which was unpopular with test they audiences. They murder-suicide on the boat? In the original ending, after Joe and Patricia are expelled from the volcano, they are rescued by the Tweedledum. Which is the sister? You know what that makes sense because um, they make such a specific point of talking about how there's a sister ship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On board are the rescued crew of the D, oh. as well as uh, Graham Moore and Doctor Ellison, who turns out to be Graham Moore's tax accountant and hatchet man, by the name of Kenneth Hemdick. <laughs> Whatever, something, something, yeah. Graham Moore reveals he and Hemdick pose as a doctor to make Joe think he had a fatal disease. Hemnick pulls a gun on Joe to protect Graham Moore from Joe's anger, 
and to allow Garymore to keep his yacht. Joe, having stared into the mouth of the volcano, calmly swipes the gun from Hemenick, then announces to Garymore that he and Patricia have gotten married by the chief. They both banish Graymore and Hemdick to the boat's dinghy in the middle of the ocean. Graymore tells Hemdick that he likes Joe and admits to being banished in the small dinghy in the middle of the ocean is his price to pay for being too greedy what? and tells Hemdick to help him row home. Back at the Tweedledum, Joe and Patricia see the four streamer trunks popping to the surface with the chief riding the last one, brandishing his Toby, happily telling them he didn't lose his soul after all. Joel replies he didn't lose his either. The only remnant from the original ending is that in the end credits you see an artist's rendition of the Tweedledum sailing off into the distance. Oh, that's... That sounds clunky so that, as hell, know. but like that makes more... That ties everything up more sensibly. Mm -hmm. I always... It's also on from IMDb, so somebody could have just made that I mean, That's entirely possible, <laughs> yeah, because it's the fucking Wild West. I always gave this movie credit because I always thought it was kind of interesting how... They wrote it in such Everyone a way. Everyone dies. Well, yeah, I, I mean anything where I boner gives me death gives me boner fuel. Uh, wait, does that mm -hmm. <laughs> death gives what? Huh? Wait, what? <laughs> I think I'm losing my mind. <laughs> oh, what? 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 No, but like I always thought it was clever that the like the, the like that the characters kind of suss out what happened just by talking, mm. and that mm -hmm. but that makes. Although, uh, by the end of the movie, you want it to end quickly. Like, once the Joe and it's Patricia true. are out of there, like, again, and, like, it's already been such a long and winding road, hence the lightning bolt ship, to get to that point at the end of the movie. I, that, that That's a funny thing, listening and uh, spending so much of uh, my life listening to movie commentaries and reading about the making of books. There's so many movie endings that have been cut or severely deleted because the movie makers widely yeah. underestimated how quickly audiences, once, once the emotional climax of the movie is over, people just want to go home. And so there's mm -hmm. so many movie endings that had to be cut or like yeah really chopped down because the uh, the movie makers were like of course we have to give every character like a wrap up or like justify all like all those these plot threads and they're like oh no test audiences once once they got to this point in the movie they just like yeah just get get to the end credits as fast as possible so and also again with this movie yeah. as being as goony as it is God knows how clunky that clunkily executed that because especially having the boat show up. It sounds like that's a whole like twenty minute sequence into itself, so I could see why yeah. it made more sense. Even aside from negative text test uh, reactions aside, I could see why it made more sense just to say, "Oh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, they could just figure out what happened at the end, and they could just be by themselves, and that's it." Huh? Yep. Yeah, and that kind of makes more Although, sense of the Abe Goat and his soul thing too. Huh? Well. Although I did find some three pieces of great, great. Oh no! What is this? That's so great. It's one of the triviaest that, like, he says, thank you for being so big, and big was one of Tom Hanks' movies, like... Close. Um, Tom Hanks is Joe Banks here, and later on, starred in Saving Mr. Banks as Walt Disney. Uh, the story of the transition of Mary Poppins from novel to screen. Oh, I forgot See about... See how that's related? That movie is so fucking bad, anyway. Uh, Joseph Banks was the name of Captain Cook's chief botanist on his expedition to the South Pacific in the 18th century. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy, Wasn't it the Banks is... kids from... Is that Mary Poppins, actually? Speaking of Mary... Oh, and then Saving Mr. Banks. See, that's the whole point. That's Mr. Banks mm -hmm. is the dad. Oh, that's interesting, too. Okay. Hold on, Bill. Here's my... Uh, creme de la creme <laughs> of God, I hate you. I love that you've become there, such an IMDb trivia expert. 
There seems to be a somewhat subtle reference to the Wizard of Oz. Oh, no. The obvious crooked roads paths mirror on the yellow brick road. Also, Meg Ryan plays three different characters. Compare them to the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Cowardly Lion. What? What the fuck are you talking about? Crooked Road? Like, that's nothing like the the, the Yellow Brick Road. And also just the three... Meg Meg, Meg Ryan played three characters. Does not equate anything to the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Cowardly Lion. But those are three characters played by two different people apiece. That's not like... What? (laughs) So, yeah, so the thing is that know. there's a road and a character uh, was uh, there were uh, oh god I hate IMDb. <laughs> you know the funny thing I think is that same... I know there's people who think they're like uh, professional IMDbers who like type that in. They're like, I have added my I have added my well, two cents to society today. I've done my piece. I, I um, think that same person wrote this in the goofs section. Oh no. In the morning, when the daisy gets stepped on, everyone's shadows are to their right. Later that afternoon, when Joe fixes the daisy, his shadow is also to the right and from the same camera angle. In the afternoon, Joe's shadow wouldn't have been a different angle. <laughs> of all the things, did you not realize that when people don't get shot out of volcanoes to go smoking through the lake? So, so just somebody sitting on their couch going, wait a minute. You know what? I set that, that movie to shadows right. facing the same way. Although you can assume, oh, I can't remember if it's, it's supposed to be this exact same afternoon. You can assume he's like, that's the next day when he's coming into work or something like that. Yeah. Who knows, man? What a fucking stupid idiot. Man, that's like pedantic central over there. Fucking IMD. <laughs> So yeah, that's show versus yeah. the volcano. That's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's not as bad as it's been made out to be, in since it came out. Because I think the name heard it, and also I think people were expecting a more, a more of a comedy or something. That, yeah, that's a one-two punch. Because I, I think, I think the name Joe versus Volcano is more comedic than it was. Mm-hmm. Like Joe's existential crisis. Yeah, not that a lot of people were drawn in anyway. Because like I said, I saw this on opening week in the theater. Uh, theater was practically empty, so. Yeah. Um, I guess it didn't make, kind of make its money back. Like it didn't like lose a ton. It wasn't that expensive, so I guess that's one bonus. And in, in, but so it's not like yeah, it's like a. But with those amazing special effects of them getting blasted out of the. the Where the, the volcano, people it's... at Industrial Light and Magic got their moms to do the special effects. God mm-hmm. damn. But so what are we talking about next week? Next week we're back to Disney with our. Next round of Disney through the decades. Yeah, this is probably going to be the batch that takes us out of the 40s, or out of the late 30s and into the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be our first... No, wait, no. No, yeah, it will be, because we've already recorded our first batch. We've had, we've actually re- already... No, wait, yeah, we've already recorded next week's episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a home dinger. Because <laughs> that is, that is the, the Mickey Mouse doll, right? Yes, it's, it's Donald's golf game. Yes, that's kind of it's, it's, okay. Just if not, if you don't want to listen to it, just at least listen to the first eight minutes. It's, that, that um, what? it's magic. Yes, uh, Donald's golf game, uh, Mickey's trailer, boat builders, Ferdinand the Bull, beach picnic, and hockey champ. And I found uh, I didn't do any kind of research, but I did find out that I, we have a Ferdinand the Bull book in John's room, so I could have wow, okay, had something to compare it to. Okay, is it based? Is it like it. based off the Disney version of that character? No, it's the, it's the original book. Oh, it's the original book. book. Disney I, cartoon is based Oh, that's interesting. It. I would have thought, if anything, it was like a little golden book based off the short that we talked about. Okay, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, next week's episode, we've no. already recorded, so we know at least there's one really... 
Oh, it is a, a humdinger. Oh, oh, boy. Let's put it this way. We've been sitting on this episode for a month now, kind of waiting for it to kill out. <laughs> mm -hmm. I shouldn't talk it up so much because it's not that great, but no. there's a funny little bit. I think it is. I reveal a bit of part about my personal history that I thought I had talked mm -hmm. about on the podcast before, but I guess mm -hmm. not. And so, yeah, I don't think anyone, like, I think this will be what finally drives away our few remaining listeners will be that episode. So. Yes. <laughs> Might as well just stop the mm -hmm. podcast after next week's airing. It's a high point. It is a, so yeah. Yeah. Oh God. He's he's muttering on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardic Podcast on Twitter. Tardicpodcast.com. Share, share, like us, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, comment, subscribe. And coming after that, we got another short. Are you gonna? After our shorts, it's gonna be Teen Mutant Turtles. Oh no! Um, I was gonna leave that a secret. Not that you could, like. There's only so much that came oh, out in March of 1990. Uh, that came Just out. throw out some noise in there. I don't know. I thought you said it earlier. Oh no! I just said that there's. Well, I was gonna make a joke about how my other pick for 1990, from March of 1990, is another movie involving puppets that took place in New York. Actually, that'd be. Mm. I want an alternate version of Joe vs. the Volcano, where instead of being approached by uh, uh, Lloyd Bridges, he falls down into a sewer. And meets Casey Jones and, or something like that, yeah. And then it's April, which we typically do awful April we, with, but we haven't we haven't thought of anything that we, we want to see yet. Yeah, we, really? and, and, well, we're it's feeling? more because we haven't even started thinking about it yet more than anything else. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to figure out what we're doing for awful April. I usually have a couple ideas, yeah. but after Neil Breed and Masters of the Universe... <laughs> I do have a couple picks, but yeah, I have to... Well, especially okay. with the Disney Through the Decade stuff, we don't know if we want to continue... Uh, Disney through the decades in April to or I don't know. I think it depends on if we find four or five good things yeah. for April. Um, because like I said, we've already about. made enough headway. Disney through the decades, we would be justified in taking a little like like a one month break just because like awful or Aprils are only maybe Swiss Family Robinson and Pinocchio will fall under that. <laughs> <It> could be <laughs> that month perfectly. I mean, Pinocchio is already not that great. I'm already shit mm -hmm. after after feeling bad about having shit talked Snow White. I'm already back to shit talking Pinocchio. But yeah, Swiss no, Family Robinson. Considering that even Disney fans don't care about Swiss Family Robinson outside of the Disney the, the original, not the color remake. They did a color remake. Yeah, there's a color version. They in did this two movie. versions of Disney did two different versions of Swiss Family Robinson. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, is that even that good of a book? Mm -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't be talking shit talking Robinson Crusoe. Well, wait, it's like tr it's like Treasure Island, Bill. That books ain't great. Yeah, yeah. Books, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> Who needs to okay. read when you got fucking movies and cartoons? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be back next week. Yep. So, uh... This is slam bang finish for this well, week's episode. Well, yeah. Let's just pretend sure that we just is. fished ourselves out of, out of an ocean. We're just well, climbed on top of some uh, steamer trunks that we've lashed together, and now we're going to go be away from the things of man. I have no response to that. Okay, let's blowjob each other on this yeah, Bill, that was the line from the movie. I was trying to tie it all oh, together. I, know. I thought you were... Remember, I that's what she says a couple of times Frank. to him. No. No. <laughs> I was trying to use the line from the movie. Is that what he says to her when, to close it when up. they're looking? She, no, that the redhead says it to him a couple times. I just love the last lines of Joe vs. the Volcano being, let's blowjob together. I have no response to that. And just hire us out. And they lived happily <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, keep it holds a pop culture. Take care, guys. Still a little bit more.